Welcome to the Sugar Science Podcast. I'm Monica Wesley for the Sugar Science, and I have the distinct pleasure with speaking with Dr. Maria Teresa Rodriguez-Calvo. She's a junior research group leader in, the type, in type 1 diabetes pathology at the uh, IDF, the Institute of Diabetes Research at Helmholtz in Munich. Welcome, um, Teresa. I'm very happy to have you join us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's really a pleasure. And I just want to congratulate you and, and your team and all the people doing this because I think it's it's really innovative and something that it's going to keep growing. Thank you so much. We hope it does. We've got 23 all-volunteer teams. And um, I think as you might uh, have read or if our audience does know, uh, most um, the majority of our volunteers have uh, close connections with type 1 diabetes and many of them actually have it. Um, we have a young team and it's so we have a lot of motivation to try to make this project grow. So thank you. Um, so I am very interested. I'd like to hear a little bit about your background, how you got, I know you're originally from Spain and you spent some time in San Diego and now you're in Munich. So can you just give us a little bit about your scientific background and how you got interested in type one diabetes? Yeah, sure. So I did my PhD. I actually studied uh, veterinary medicine. So <laughs> it's a bit different. <laughs> it was for me very clear early that I wanted to go into research. And then I did my PhD in virology and immunology in a, um, in a center actually that was focused on, on viruses that infect animals. So the, it was kind of a research in animal health. Mm -hmm. So more related to veterinary medicine. And then um, I wanted to kind to explore like uh, human diseases and, and more of the human side. And I, I went with my husband in a, in a road trip in California and then I fell in love oh. <laughs> with, with California. And, and then I, I said, uh, I want to go there for a postdoc. So yeah, I started to look around uh, for labs. Uh, mainly I was interested in virology. And then uh, turns out that my PhD supervisor also did her postdoc in San Diego. And mm -hmm. she told me, I still know people there if you... If you want to go, I can see. And then uh, we got in touch with Matthias von Herat. And he actually was studying uh, the role of enteroviruses and viruses in type 1 diabetes. So this was kind of a perfect fit for me. Uh, and that's perfect. how. Serendipitous. <laughs> that's excellent. Exactly. <laughs> and so while you were in Matthias's lab, um, what were you really, what sort of um, you know, research projects were you involved in? So I was mainly, uh, I started the project looking on, at uh, antigen-specific uh, responses in type 1. Uh, and then uh, many projects came along. Uh, one of them was uh, the role of the exocrine pancreas. And we described uh, the T-cell infiltration in the exocrine portion of the pancreas that was increased in in people with type 1 diabetes and this kind of open also um, studies in many other um, teams that actually became more interested in understanding what the exocrine is doing in the disease how if there is a communication between the islets and the exocrine um, I don't know many people are familiar I guess with uh, papers coming from MPOT that describe um, decrease in pancreas weight 
uh, during yes. the development of type 1 and we all think that this is of course coming from the exocrine pancreas because the islets are only two percent yeah. of the of the weight so then uh, yeah what's going on there so i think it's it's quite interesting it um, is and it's yeah. kind of novel i mean it, there was a lot, not a lot of attention given to the exocrine pancreas right that's predominantly focused on secreting enzymes and other um proteins used in digestion and so the, the for I, it seems to me that a long time uh, a lot of the historical research was focused on the islets and then so this paper that just came out in 2020 which you're an author on is really uh, describing the fact that the healthy exocrine pancreas contains these preproinsulin specific CD8s that attack type um, you know islets so it, that's really you know why why it, can't the neighboring cells be to be friendly? Why are they harboring these? Why, do you have any speculation? Um, well, this is something that we are discussing almost every day um, with collaborators. And actually, there are also recent papers by Roberto Malone that describe this benign autoimmunity that maybe we are all autoimmune in the sense that we can harbor all these autoimmune cells, but you really need this genetic predisposition to to kind of um, you know have these cells that attack the the beta cells and the antigen so we think that it's really something intrinsic to the beta cell that something goes wrong and and maybe they'll start to present antigens who knows if these antigens might be modified in some way and then the immune system kind of starts to see the beta cells when before they were not visible. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and I think some of your other work talks about the fact that the betas are, beta cells are ex hyper-expressing HLA-1s. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, now considered a hallmark of the disease together with insulitis. And when I started working with MPOD and, and, and seeing all these uh, tissues, uh, HLA class one uh, hyper-expression that we call it, it's really something very unique to type 1 diabetes and it's also uh, we can see it actually in in some people with multiple uh, autoantibodies which is very interesting because this uh, this indicates that is something that happens before onset but we think that it's it's something that has to happen not so far away from really disease so it's very interesting, but indicates that at least in, in some islets, something starts to go wrong early. And it could be perfectly that this HLA class one hyperexpression, it's driving this increase in, in antigen presentation. And then uh, the immune system kind of sees and goes there. And this is what maybe uh, drives a little bit insulitis at the beginning, even if it's slow. It would be interesting, and I don't know if you know um, if anyone's doing this, but it, you know we have the progression, right, of the presentation uh, in patients of these biomarkers. It seems to be a sequential presentation. Okay, you've got you know GAD, and then you've got you know IA two, and then you've got the um, insulin. You know biomarkers or autoantigens, and so has anyone tried to dissect? you know, the HLA-1 um, presentation increase uh, and does it coordinate with the, with the, you know, release of these autoantigens? 
Well, this is something that I had in mind like long time ago, actually, because I thought, why is no one is trying like to to kind of look at the expression of all these uh, antigens in the pancreas and try to see how this correlates also without antibodies or I mean, it's hard because uh, uh, as we know, autoantibodies appear very early in the disease and they can be there for years. We don't yeah. really understand. Uh, we know that we use them as biomarkers, but I think this is a very unexplored field also because it's not easy to study B cells uh, also in the pancreas. Um, there are now studies looking at uh, antigen presentation using beta cell lines, and this is something that is going to be very useful to to actually study what antigens and, and which peptides can beta cells naturally process. So we don't move so far away from from the antigens of of really importance or interest. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 kind of like you need a, a snapshot of um, the progression of the disease. So, okay, this and Ottawa antibody presents and, and at that time, you know, and when the first one presents, for instance, what exactly is happening? What's happening in the HLA-1 presentation world? You know, what's happening with the exocrine pancreas and all these different pieces have to be um, sorted in a staged fashion, right? That's what it seems like. Yeah, yeah. And uh, at least... Uh... Well, with the work that I do, uh, looking mainly at, at pancreas sections, uh, it's really a snapshot, a snapshot. So it's, you really have to say, okay, this is what I see, but now we have to make sense of, of it. And maybe, you know, using mouse models or, or in vitro studies. And EMPOD is actually now trying to launch a new initiative, trying to bring all this data from, from different investigators into one platform to right. try to integrate and understand better all these snapshots and put them together and, and hopefully uh, maybe see things that we haven't seen before. Yes, thank you, Mark Atkinson and company. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, he's behind the NPOD there. So I think, um, yeah, I'd love for you to, you know, talk about your, as much as you can, what you're doing right now in laboratory. Yeah. Um, so right now, uh, my laboratory is mainly focused on, on like three different aspects of the disease. One is related to uh, viral infections and, and interferon uh, kind of responses uh, to these infections. So, um, the work that we have actually just recently finished is, uh, and it's hopefully will be published uh, very soon, is looking at interferon response markers in the pancreas. So looking at the islets and how they, they are expressing uh, HLA class one, um, MXA, PKR, so molecules related to the interferon pathway. And then another important part that we are looking into is uh, pro-insulin expression and processing in the pancreas and the expression of the processing enzymes. Yeah. And we are actually using, oh, we use mainly uh, uh, whole slides. So we like to look at all the islets and, and get an overview with uh, collecting a lot of data from, from hundreds of islets because I think uh, as everyone knows, uh, type 1 diabetes is very heterogeneous. Yes. So I think we now have the possibility to study hundreds of islets 
and thousands of violets from from many different donors and and even if heterogeneity is there then you know we can see uh, patterns that start to to come up from these uh, studies and of course uh, looking at pro-insulin expression and processing uh, we are interested in understanding the other side how the immune system uh, sees and recognizes these pre-pro-insulin, pro-insulin and insulin peptides and what is actually the communication between the beta cell and the immune system in this aspect and I was a really big fan on or I am a really big fan of bringing together um, beta cell biologists and immunologists <laughs> and this is something yeah. that was lacking in the field and, and I have seen that this has improved over the years and and this is also what I want to do in my laboratory. Yeah, I think that whole idea of a multidisciplinary approach makes absolute sense because it is a multifactorial disease. And um, there is the danger of getting silos of scientists just because, not due to anyone's fault per se, but it's just because the disciplines are, are you know, they're in their own um, field. So immunology is speaking their world, the GWAS people speak their you know, um, language and uh, developmental biologists, cell biologists. I mean, they're all, and the thing is, you know, there is a big conference, there is ADA, but I would, I would, I would say that that's been pretty eclipsed by type two and it's a clinical space. And so it, you know, this is what we're trying to accomplish, I guess, is, to, is connecting global scientists to be able to, you know, eventually um, communicate through our platform and, and have their own space, uh, their own type one space that, that all these different disciplines can come together and, and converse freely. So, um, yeah, I totally, I totally agree that it needs to um, be expedited and it's, it is happening. So that's, you know, that's so, um, that's so, uh, that's so great. I wondered, um, okay, so in who, you know, what do you have uh, going on in, in terms of, um, projects in the lab that uh, graduate students and postdocs are involved in? So right now um, we have a postdoc, for example, that uh, is trying to um, look at pro-insulin expression using super resolution microscopy. This is a very challenging technique, but very rewarding because uh, that will allow us to see individual pro-insulin and insulin molecules in the cell so it's really very high resolution yeah um, and uh, we will also see the interaction of these individual molecules with the enzymes so we will be able to characterize uh, many individual cells in different islets uh, with different phenotypes as well islets with insulitis and without try to see how the patterns of insulin and pro-insulin uh, are in these cells with in a very, very detailed manner and, and seeing their interaction with the enzymes, if this is defective or not. Um, also extending to in vitro studies uh, using beta cell lines and then seeing these processes in a very dynamic uh, way. Um, and then there is a graduate, uh, a PhD student that started just two weeks ago, and he's going to be more focused on, on the immune side, uh, just trying to, to identify these uh, pre-pro-insulin specific cells in the pancreas, something similar to what uh, Christine was doing with this paper that we published uh, recently. 
but um, in this case we want to look at uh, many different epitopes uh, inside the preproinsulin molecule, uh, not, not just one, because we have the impression that many of the cells in the pancreas might recognize uh, this full repertoire of preproinsulin peptides. Yeah, I mean, that, those sound like very interesting projects. We do have, um, we have some super res microscopy coming up um, in about two weeks. We're going to feature Gubra. Um, Jacob Hexer Sorensen had some really interesting quantitative 3D imaging of um, cells that he's going to share with us, and he's at, in Copenhagen. And then we also have NanoLive, who are going to showcase hopefully a beta cell. Um, they're based in Geneva. And then um, also VLOOM, which is an, uh, an AI type of uh, microscopy that's been put together by a group in, um, in England. So I, I really applaud this, uh, the use of super res microscopy. Not only is it beautiful, but it can really give some powerful quantitative um, results. And uh, you know, what, what microscope do you have in the laboratory? Um, is it Nikon we or? No, we actually went for a nanoimager. It's a smaller company based in Oxford. It came out of the spin-off of the University of Oxford. And, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, we work with them. Very nice team. Young, they are very young team also, so they remember how to be a scientist. That's <laughs> and great. They are very helpful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, that's great. Good, uh, good accolade for nanoimaging. Um, and uh, if anyone wants more information, you can feel free to reach out to um, Teresa. What, um, where do you see, you know, sort of the next steps? Uh, I mean, obviously at Helmholtz, you've got a big team there, many different scientists working, you know, very um, strongly on, on these different uh, aspects of type 1 diabetes. You know, you've got the um, phenotyping of the autoimmune disease in type 1. You've got, you know, looking at the pathogenesis of type 1 and, and prevention. They've got immunological tolerance, and they've got their junior research group for pathology uh, and more. So uh, you've got a wealth of information, or sort of collaboration information going on there. Uh, what would you say about it in terms of, you know, uh, I guess uh, to just let people know how it works and and for young scientists you know is it a great place to be stuff like that <laughs> yeah like uh, in my case i was actually very lucky to to join this institute at Hemholtz because um i have been always a basic research scientist and with this team as you mentioned so interdisciplinary like uh, even running clinical trials and having this huge uh, screening uh, projects that actually uh, they are trying to screen every single child in Bavaria and in Germany, hopefully. Um, I was I, very lucky to be exposed to all this because for me it was also a learning experience. Um, see how all these trials uh, are organized, how challenging it is to bring them forward yeah. uh, and all the efforts that uh, they are doing in all in all the aspects like regulatory, also funding. And it, it, it's really massive effort that uh, takes a lot, a long time. So for me, um, it was an excellent opportunity. Also, as you mentioned, uh, Caroline uh, Daniel is also there. She's a young scientist, but very well established now. She's looking at more regulatory T cells and tolerance 
So this is another aspect in which uh, hopefully we will collaborate very soon. Um, and she has an expertise uh, that, of course, it's very valuable for me. So it's it's all um, a, a very nice and very well uh, suited team of, of people working in type one and also in type two, uh, because in Helmholtz we have a lot of people that are doing type two and people that are looking at small aspects of type one in connection to type two. So it's really, really nice uh, to be exposed to all this. Yeah. yeah, because there are lessons to be learned from type two as well. Yeah. And I mean, so now during the pandemic, uh, are you connecting virtually or uh, what's your situation like? Can you access your laboratory? Um, well, I wasn't in the laboratory for um, from March to June, so we couldn't go um, except, uh, you know, for very, very specific or urgent experiments in in our case it was not so critical because as i mentioned we do a lot a lot of image analysis and, and we use different softwares so we had a lot of data to analyze finished papers and and this was actually in a way nice for us because you know you never find the time to sit and think and getting all these things done so it was there were a few months of that and then uh, from June until now, uh, we are lucky that we can go back to the laboratory just, you know, with the measures that are in place and, and more or less have normal life. Uh, yeah. Of course, yeah, you always try to work from home if uh, you don't have experiments because that's better for everyone and safest. Yeah. But yeah, we are lucky that we can continue our work. That's fingers great. crossed. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. I guess uh, the last uh, question I I I have for you is, you know, what are what are your most uh, your favorite um, sort of meetings in the you know sort of type one uh, diabetes uh, scientific meetings that you usually attend in re in normal times. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, uh, my favorite meeting is of course the input uh, meeting because this is actually very relevant for me and, and what I do, but also uh, I really fell in love with uh, this community and EMPOT is one of the reasons why I decided to, to stay in type one, to push, because it was really, it really inspired me over the years to see all these people trying to come together, trying to make sense of their findings, sharing all the knowledge and, this is what we call the spirit of input, and this is something that really motivates me every day. So the input meeting for me, <laughs> and also I really like uh, IDS, um, the Immunology of Diabetes Society meeting. Um, I also think um, it's really great every year the the program that they put together. Um, I usually go to to ADA or EASD, so. European or, or American associations. But as you said, these, these are more clinical, more type two. Um, so maybe uh, there is a space for type one, but I also wish they had more. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And also some smaller beta cell biology meetings because I like to, to keep updated and, and see what's going on in the beta cell biology side. 
And have most of those been um, made virtual, the ones that you typically attend? Yeah, yeah. Empot uh, meeting is, is, it was the last one I attended at the end of February mm -hmm. uh, physically. And then uh, this year uh, is also, uh, not this year, next year is also online. Um, ADA was online, EASD, IDS were, they are all online. Of course, mm -hmm. for young scientists, this is not the best because yeah. uh, access to, to interaction and networking is very important when, when you're a postdoc and, and, and a student and you, know, you want to find your path and it's hard online. Uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm not a big fan of online meetings, I wish. Yeah, um, you know, I, we, I think it is back. really, yeah, it really, it, hopefully we will go back. It is challenging. I mean, there's just so many people on the screen and, you know, how do you, I mean, it, it almost seems like we need to, um, you know, for, for type one and for many things to, uh, as a, as a civilization to sort of like maybe make some more boutique, um, smaller situations so that people can really have the the more um, intimate conversations, but we'll see. We'll see how it all evolves. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to thank you so much for talking to us. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with the young scientists, you know, regarding kind of keeping on keeping your spirits up through the pandemic or anything like that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, this pandemic, I, I think has been challenging for all of us, but one thing that I would suggest is if you have the chance, just read, read papers, uh, maybe even like have a small um, journal yourself or notes that, that you take from papers, ideas that you can use maybe in the future uh, for projects or, or something like this, maybe learning new things, software, uh, how to program. I wish I was younger because <laughs> yeah. everyone knows. <laughs> kind of like uh, it's very uh, useful for everything now, how, you know, programming and and, yes. and I wish I was younger to learn. So that's something I would recommend. Uh, any new learning experiences uh, that can be done online uh, are great, I think, to do now. Yeah, yeah, that's great advice because you never know what, um, you know, one learning experience may parlay into another um opportunity in in the laboratory in some way exactly yeah <laughs> thank you again so much teresa i really appreciate you talking to us and we wish you all the best we'll be definitely watching um for your next paper to come out and excited to see what you you share with us yeah thank you so much it, it was fun <laughs>